walking this talk together. Every hour. Every day. This is 702. Let's walk the talk. Wow, always feel excited and enthused after... Uh, a chat with Liesl van der Vestes and, and I'm just I, can't, I just want to pick up my phone and check it out it's the Volvo Ocean Race and Training Like a Sailor sheesh uh, you can check it out on, um, on, on on YouTube as she mentioned but yeah we are going to be having our next interview in a bit but we do have uh, a listener who would like to share their sentiments uh, as I mentioned we have some of the most well-read and knowledgeable listeners who shared some of uh, the news and also the inflation rates in France and uh, Espanol it's not really a uniquely South African issue. Also talking about the private sector credit demand topping forecasts. I'm sure we'll hear a bit more with the business news in the second hour from uh, Mutel Hwaripe giving us a well-rounded look at at the numbers. But uh, more interestingly focusing on the African continent. You know, we always talk about African unity. We're talking about the free trade agreements and we even looked at COVID as an opportunity for African countries to take advantage of um, really being able to take their independence into their own hands and not stretching out another hand um, to the um, world, um, the um, various um, world economic bodies which borrow money to African countries at a very suspicious interest rate. And you, you'll even look at um, the uh, paradox, paradox of uh, the bridges and uh, um, airports and also building roads and infrastructure in African countries. That comes with a heavy cost. We always say that there's no such thing as a free lunch. However, looking at a more positive um, note, Ugandan and South African leaders are urging greater trade in Africa. We've been listening to this. We've been talking about sleeping African giants. When will it actually take place? So the Ugandan president, Yoweri Museveni, has called for stronger trade relations among African countries and lamented the high cost of buying products and services outside the continent. Museveni on Tuesday began a state visit to South Africa in a bid to encourage better economic ties between Uganda and Africa's most developed economy. He met with President Cyril Ramaphosa, accompanied by members of the cabinet, who are scheduled to meet with their South African counterparts and sign various trade and bilateral agreements. Making brief remarks ahead of the meeting with Ramaphosa, Museveni emphasized the importance of intra-continental trade while highlighting some of the challenges that were making this difficult to achieve. 702 Let's walk the talk Streaming countrywide on the 702 app So wrapping up uh, the first hour of our show If you've just joined us It's 10 minutes before 5am You've made the right choice Because you're just in time for our health feature And uh, with Carrie Ann Seedy A clinical dietitian, And she'll be letting us know about the real reason Behind food cravings And what you can do to cut back on it Carrie Ann, thank you so much for joining us For this very ambitious topic this morning <laughs> Yeah Hi, morning. <laughs> I hope you're well. And I was talking about uh, my own um, cravings and uh, really methods of coping. And one of those coping mechanisms for me personally is caffeine. But yes. uh, I, I don't know if um, our listeners have ever thought about why craving something um, when you've already eaten it. Is it something that science can give us more clues around? Yes, definitely. So, so there are multiple reasons. Um, you know, there's been a lot of research into this field, mm-hmm. and there are multiple reasons why they think there might be um, 
what might be causing these food cravings. So, you know, um, sometimes it's a learned behavior. So sometimes mm. it's often the psychology behind it is that it's associated with, like, for example, if you like watching your late night show and you normally have mm. a packet of potato crisps when you do that. Mm-hmm. So, so sometimes there are certain triggers that trigger us to, to eat certain things or we associate certain foods with doing certain events. So that's one of the reasons. Other things, obviously, food marketing and, and social media yes. media is a big thing. So you might be watching your favorite cooking show mm-hmm. or on social media and an ad pops up with a fast food ad or chocolate ad. You know, so those kind of triggers do trigger the brain. And then obviously, mm-hmm. you know, sort of um, foods, what we call hyperpalatable. So foods like your very highly processed foods that are high in sort of salt, sugar and fat content. Mm. actually affect the brain's hormones. So we call that the dopamine reward yes. center. And th- that gives you that happy feeling with those foods, you know. So one seeks that out, especially when you're stressed or, you know, you mm. want that happy feeling. So so that's a, a, often a, another reason why people can, can crave. Well, I'm guilty. I'm in the marketing. <laughs> I'm in the marketing sphere, so I can completely agree with those sentiments because there is something called psychological, economic, behavioral science, where yeah. where you look at people's food preferences and you look at the stats between their propensity to buy and where they're visible, and as you mentioned, the adverts as well. Yeah. And I re- and more simply, I remember as a kid screaming at my mom saying, "I want that chocolate." Yeah, for sure. And and most of them are like, are sort of from what I understand, are mm-hmm. sort of targeted at children. Um, mm. Unfortunately, yes. I, I won't yeah. agree or disagree. <laughs> but it is a tactic, you know. Um, some people think that you, 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 you're targeting um, the buyer, but there's people who influence the buying decision. So in effect, yes. the, the, the buying decision, you might, think, you might say that uh, the LSM is an old white male who's in 50 and is in a CEO position. However, the person who might be making the buying decision could be in the kitchen. It could be the family member. It could be someone looking after the household. Yes, definitely. So with that being said, how do we teach our minds to... You know, have good cravings. For me, I think one of the things that I saw um, a, a few years ago, I was shocked. You know, kids, usually it's you have juices, you have fizzy drinks and all that kind of stuff. And one of yes. my more progressive friends said, no, my child drinks water. And he asked yes. for water and he was okay with drinking water. Not that there wasn't juice or fizzy drinks around, but never wanted water. And I'm talking about a yes. two, two-year-old. I was shocked, yes. stunned, amazed and impressed. Yes, so so obviously not allowing um, access to those foods or having them in your house, mm-hmm. it does help. So re- research has shown that okay. if you don't have access to these foods readily, you won't make those choices. Mm. And obviously bringing up your kids without, you know, incorporating those foods in frequently mm-hmm. um, because it has shown that the more you have those foods, the more you crave those foods. Yes. So abstaining from those foods for extended period of time actually reduces those cravings. Let's talk about the lunchbox. Uh, yes. And typically primary school because you teach your child these things. And it's crazy because I even I talk a lot with my friends who have children. And um, one of my mates told me that his child got into trouble because she brought a chocolate to school. Yes. <laughs> does it get that extreme, Carrie Ann? Is it important yeah. for you to look at what does the school environment look like? Does the educator make sh- look at the lunch tins? And not how do you manage this in an in, in a, in a, in a, in a economy that is so diverse and stratified? Yes, yeah. 
So I, I know a lot of schools, especially in Cape Town, do you have that policy? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I know even my 13-year-old throughout the schooling period, we, we've had schools that have been quite strict with that. Mm. So, but, you know, I, I think sometimes they can be, I, I don't think one should punish a child for having a chocolate in their mm-hmm. lunchbox, mm-hmm. but obviously having systems in place that a lot of the schools have healthy mm. eating sort of lectures and, and classes. And, and that's great to teach kids from young how to eat well mm. and balanced. So I think, I think that's, that's the biggest thing um, is actually mm. teaching them from young how to eat well. Let's talk about how to have the practical examples now, because we have these conversations, Kerry Ann, and if you've just joined us, um, Kerry Ann is a registered dietitian. So if we have educators um, and they want to have a conversation with parents where they feel that a child's nutrition or lunch could be more beneficial if it was healthier, how do you have it in yes. a way where it is, um, it, it is not offensive? It is tactful and at the same time, it, it gives insight to the parent as to why a child and how they could improve their nutrition. Yes, I think if you take it from the mindset of you wanting to help the child with their learning, because obviously learning and concentration is affected by the food okay. you eat. So I think a big thing is if, if the um, uh, teacher would takes it from that stance in terms mm-hmm. of focusing on helping the child think and concentrate better and yes. And obviously, improving the overall health through nutrition that would be a good way to, to approach it. Mm, that's great advice there. And you, comfort food. We experience yes. a lot of things. And we often talk about um, your, you, you, you are what you eat uh, in the most simple of terms. When you get home, you've had a rough day. It's easy to just fall into your couch, order that quick meal, that hearty meal um, that will make you, that, that'll tr- trigger those dopamines uh, and allow you to cope with whatever you are coping with through food. It may not be the best or nutritional, nutritious type of food, but how do we manage this? Because there is that trigger where you're feeling tired. You don't have the strength to cook. You're just feeling, yes. how do you pre-plan and mitigate that comfort yes. food moment? Because a lot of us are going to work highly stressful uh, uh, conditions. We you get back home, you're trying to de-stress, you're still thinking about everything you've experienced and you just want to dive into that deep cholesterol-filled yes. <laughs> or snacks that'll just and watch your favorite series and cover yourself in the blanket until you have to march on again the next day. Yes, so I think making pre-planning is quite important and having the right foods in your fridge Obviously, you know, a healthy meal doesn't have to take long and, and be energy intensive, mm-hmm. you know. So to pop something in the oven and, and bake or grill it, you know, and now with air fries as well, it, it, you can make a healthy meal within mm. a few minutes. So um, pre-planning, batch cooking also mm. helps having things in the freezer that you can pop, you know, for those nights where you're really exhausted that you can quickly pop in the microwave um, helps. Oh, there so, you have and, it. And then, yeah. Air fryer is the gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. <laughs> Are you a fan of air fryers? Do you have um, any I, recipes, I actually, favorite cook I, have of, I have a lot of patients that have air fryers. Um, sadly, I don't have one yet. All right. but, um, <laughs> but I use the good old griller or, or okay. I just bake in the oven and it's, it's does well for me. I would like grill is one of the favorite, uh, I think, even South African solutions. <laughs> Carrie Ann, it's been yes. an absolute pleasure talking to you. Uh, hope you have a great day further. Great. Thanks. Cheers. All the best. Carrie Ann CD is a clinical dietitian and just letting us in a bit on the real reason behind food cravings and what you can do to cut back on them.